Right. I tell you what. Okay. All right. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless you for this opportunity to get into your word tonight. Lord, we pray let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. Father, I pray that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. I pray, Lord, none of me, all of you, I pray, Lord, for articulation of your heart. We pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. We give you praise in advance for everything that you'll do in Jesus' name. Everyone did say amen. Let's make this confession about faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been talking uh, for the last little while here concerning what I would define as the formula for how Christians should operate. Now, of course, let me just use this as a foundation. Over in 2 Peter chapter number 1, I'll read this out of the message translation. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 says, it says, so don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. He says, complementing uh, your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate uh, patience, revelant wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the other. And so we've been looking at various areas in regards to our spiritual understanding. The King James Version of the Bible uses the term add knowledge, add knowledge. So certain areas in which we're going to kind of emphasize in regard to this area of adding knowledge or adding spiritual understanding, I believe, as the Lord is leading. So in this particular um, night Bible study, I was kind of like, Lord, which way do you want us to go? And I didn't, I wasn't sure which way we were to go until I got over here and I want to just kind of flow with what I believe what God would have us uh, to say on this evening. Um, there is forecasted for our area a storm coming. <laughs> and because there's a storm coming, a lot of times what begins to happen is people move into areas of fear. You watch enough TV and you get stirred up with fear and y'all got to hunker down and, and be afraid and oh dear God. And so my assignment tonight is to deal with how do we prepare for a storm? How do we prepare for the storm? And we're just going to flow, I believe, what God has for us again this evening. We're going to begin with the answer and we're going to close with the answer over in Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18, <clears throat> verse number 18, the scripture indicates, it says out of the King James, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse number 19, check it look. It says, again, I say unto you that if, notice it says, two of you shall agree on earth, and it uses the term as touching. 
as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. He says, if two, just two, of you shall agree on earth as touching. Now, it's important that we understand, I've said this before and I'll say it again, uh, out of the um, calls to your remembrance, that it says as touching. It doesn't say touch and agree. And that's a small uh, difference, but it's a big difference at the same time. Because it's possible for me to be holding your hand, rocking back and forward, and we not be a bit more in agreement at all. I'm sitting there saying, well, we're believing God for the storm to go by, nothing be broken, nothing moved on my house, nothing. And you saying, well, I just believe that we'll get through it. No, we ain't in agreement, okay? We are touching, we are holding hands, we might be crying, we might be rocking back and forward, but we are not in agreement. Anytime you get in areas of this particular area of prayer, the prayer of agreement is when we got to have an agreement on terms of what we're believing God for. So he says, again, I say unto you that if two shall agree on earth as touching anything. And before that, he says, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Essentially, what he's indicating to us is that when we come into agreement with what heaven has already declared. The Bible says all the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. So the binding and the loosing part has to do with your synchronization with what heaven has already declared so. Okay? So he says, if you, if you agree on earth as touching anything, he says, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. The agreement, therefore, becomes the main issue in regards to this particular kind of praying. What are we agreeing on? Then he says, verse number 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So we have yet another promise. You come together in agreement with what heaven has already declared. He says, it shall be done. And he says, let me, let me give, let go a little farther. He says, when you, when just two or three are gathered together in my name, my ability, my authority, he says, I'm in the midst of you. So it lets me know that it does not take a crowd to have a move of God. All it takes is just two that come together in his name, he says, I'm giving you a guarantee of my presence. So all this, we tarrying for Jesus and all this kind of stuff, he said, if you would apply it by faith, even where your home is concerned, then he said, my presence will reside with you because of this promise, when you gather in my name, okay? Now, having said that, let's turn, if you will, over to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. So let's deal with these areas of our terms. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. <clears throat> let's get some, um, some areas in here. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And let's look at verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Verse number 7. Do you have it? I'm going to take that as a note. All righty then. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter number one. 
Verse number seven, familiar scripture, it says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, we need to just meditate on that at times. He has not given us the spirit of fear. Your fear that you may have in life does not come from God. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Fear is something when you get born again that has to be pumped in from the outside. Because the spirit that God has given you, because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, doesn't have any fear attached to it. He says, what kind of spirit does he give us? But one of power, love, and of a sound mind. He says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear. So if I'm operating in fear, I need to look at what's coming in. What am I pumping in on the inside of me? That's, again, the reason why I said a few moments ago, if you sit and you watch the news hour after hour, particularly when there is a, a uh, natural event that's taking place, man, listen, you're going to be so afraid of everything. Be like, oh, Jesus, oh, you just, just fear, fear, fear. Why? Because it's coming from the outside. The only way fear is in you is it had to come from the outside because he says right here, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But he says he's in fact giving you a spirit of power, love, and of a sound or whole mind, if you could say it like that and be just fine. Now turn over, if you will, to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. I'm going to read this out of the uh, Amplified Version of the Bible. So my spirit is one of fearlessness. My spirit has power. My spirit has love and a sound mind. Consequently, if you're operating in areas of hate, that also came in from the outside because the Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So as a believer, I can't operate in hate. As a believer, I can't operate in fear unless it comes in from the outside. Now, I'm always intrigued because as we get closer to the elections, people that say, oh, we got to be in faith where our nation is concerned, the direction of our country, are also saying at the same time, we got to be afraid about what's going to happen in the future. So everybody that says faith over fear only says so when the elections are not here, because when the elections show up, one of the things that you'll discover, particularly with politicians, is that they love to run based on fear. Afraid of this. This, ain't, this is going to happen. And then, unfortunately, sometimes church folks join in in regards to that level of fear. Your person didn't get in office. All the words going to fall apart. Wait a minute now. The church is supposed to be a consistent voice in the earth. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear so that when you come over here to the church, the same faith that we preached when it was Trump is the same faith that we preach now that it's Biden. It's going to be the same faith that we preach when it's somebody else. We are consistently, constantly the same. That is one of the issues that we have as being believers is that we up and down, up and down, up and down. And people looking at you say, well, but you say you know God, all right? What kind of God is that? If you up and down, your emotions up and down. That's not what a Christian is supposed to look like. A Christian is supposed to be consistently the same. Now, let's get some, uh, let's look over here at Psalms 91. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Let's get this over in Psalms 91. Now, Psalms 91 is an interesting psalms within the book of Psalms because largely a lot of the psalms within the scriptures are psalms that came from David. We know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalms, uh, psalms uh, 23. Uh, 
uh, Psalms 1 is a vitally important one. There's so many different ones that stand out to us. But Psalms 91 stands out for another particular reason to me. It's because it's a psalm of Moses. It's a psalm that was, was compiled or written or, or, or came to be from the testimony or from Moses himself. And so when we look at this, we need to see that this man, Moses, had been walking with God and he understood certain things about God from the journey that he had in faith with God. Let's look at this and we can extrapolate this for our life. Notice he says, he who dwells, I'm reading again out of the Amplified, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty whose power no enemy can withstand. He says, he who dwells. Now that's an important word, dwell. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty is what the King James Version of the Bible says. But the important thing that I think that we need to, to get right here in regards to this is, where are you dwelling? Am I dwelling under his shadow or am I dwelling in something or somewhere else that's producing something else in me? The word there, shadow of the Almighty, literally means El Shaddai, the many-breasted one, the God that's more than enough. He says, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no enemy can withstand. Where I am dwelling will indicate whether or not I'm under the shadow of the Almighty, which means that he says, when I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, God's presence literally is right here with me. Now notice he says, verse number three, two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Why can I say that? Because I'm dwelling, where I'm spending my time. It sounds like what he says here, he says, watch this, my God in whom I will, I will trust, in whom I trust, I'm sorry, with great confidence and on whom I rely. When I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I can begin to develop confidence because of my location to El Shaddai, or God Almighty. He says, for I will say, verse 3, for he will save you from the trap of the fowl and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 4, he will cover you completely, cover you and completely protect you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness, notice this, is a shield and a wall. His faithfulness is a shield and a wall. You remember in Ephesians chapter number 6, he says, take for the shield of faith. What is that? Confidence in who your God is. The shield of faith is where, now I rest in what he said. So when the fiery darts of fear show up in my life, I say, no, I rest because I'm dwelling in the place with Almighty God. He's my confidence. He's my refuge. He's, he's the one that is my fortress. He is my everything. Moses understood this. Because Moses knew what it was like to be attacked by a foreign government. Moses knew what it, what it was like to actually be assigned by God to do the impossible. Moses understands what it's like to stand in a position of the impossible. And that's why he can say with confidence, the Lord is my trust. 
My God, in whom do I trust with great confidence, of whom I rely. Question then we have to ask ourselves, can I say that? Can I? If I see areas of fear in my life, maybe that's the places where God is saying, okay, this is a place where you don't trust me yet. We got to deal with that. I'm, Lord, I don't know this. He said, you don't trust me here yet. So faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Spending more time dwelling with me, you'll begin to develop your heart in that area so that you can overcome the next time you're challenged in that area. Notice he says, verse number five, um, verse number four again, he says, his faithfulness is a shield and a wall. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, the terror by night. You won't be afraid of a storm that's coming up from the road, the terror by night. Why? Because the Lord is in my God in whom I trust with great confidence on whom I rely. He's my fortress. He's my strength. He says, verse number five, you will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day. What arrows that fly by day? The arrows of fear, the arrows of doubt and unbelief that fly by you, nor the pestilence or that stalk in the darkness nor the destruction suddenly uh, destruction sudden death or nor destruction or sudden death that lay wait at noon he says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand he says but danger will not will not come near you and that should be a confession of your mouth a thousand may fall at my left a thousand may fall at my right but that danger ain't going to come near me it's not going to come near my house it might be a situation where all this stuff happens to the left to the right. Now, praise God, I pray for my neighbors and everything. But listen, as far as me and my house, my house is going to be all right. All is going to be well. Verse number eight, he says, you will only be a spectator as you, he says, as you look on with your eyes and witness the divine repay of the wicked as you um, watch safely from the shelter of the Most High. He says, listen, for those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you're going to look on and see your enemies destroyed and you're going to be in a safe place. God's going to take care of you because of where you dwell. He says, verse number nine, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. What the King James says, but the Amplified says, no evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent or near your house. Why can you say that? Because you made the Lord your refuge. It's right here in the scripture. I can say with confidence, all will be well because the Lord is my refuge. He is my refuge. He is my trust. He is my fortress. Verse number 11. He says, for he will command his angels in regards to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways. Notice this of obedience and service. And this might be an issue that, you know, some are having and everything. The reason why the angels don't stand and guard of you is because you're in disobedience and you're not in the service of the Lord. This is one of the problems. If we teach this the right way, more people will begin to understand that there's protection in, in the will of God. There's safety in the will of God. There's protection in just serving God. Being on the place or being in the assignment that God has sent you to be involved with. He says, when you're in the assignment, when you're in obedience service, sounds like, once again, 
sanctification and obedience once again. He says when that takes place, you are not just representing you, you are representing the kingdom and the kingdom forces show up to take care of kingdom assignments. Now, any questions on this? Let's keep going. I know we're going to just milk this a little bit tonight. He says, they will lift up in their hands so that you do not even strike your feet against the stone. He says, in other words, <clears throat> putting it back together, 11 and 12, he says, he will command his angels in regards to you to protect and defend. Protect and defend and guard you in your way. The person that is in obedience and in the service, they will lift up, they will lift you up in their hands and you will not even strike your foot against the stone. In other words, the angels of God will lift you when you feel like you're going to fall. God will lift you when it doesn't seem like it's working. So that even the thing that would normally make you trip over things or the stumbles of your life, God says, I'll uphold you when you are in my divine assignment. The secret place, when you're dwelling. The secret place, when you're dwelling. When you're dwelling in the secret place and in the service of the Lord. He says, all of these things are promise to you. Verse number 13. You shall tread upon lions and cobras. The young lions and serpents you will trample underfoot. You shall tread upon lions and serpents or cobras as the uh, uh, Amplified says. Because notice this and this is, this, is, this is good. He says because he set his love on me therefore I will save him. Because God Almighty, because of where I'm dwelling, has set his love on me. He says, therefore, I will, I will save him. I will set him securely on high because he knows my name. He confidently, uh, confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never abandon him, no ever. Verse 15, he will call upon me and I will answer. I will call or I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life, with long life. He says, I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. I will let him see my salvation. The word salvation in the Old Testament comes from a Hebrew word, nine times out of ten, which means Yahshua. That word Yahshua literally means salvation. It means rescue, safety, health. It, it, it is an all-inclusive word, if you will. He says, because that person dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he says, another promise, when fear wants to show up and say, this is it, you know, I ain't going to make it through this, he says, no, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. With long life. You know, something that, you know, you, again, you got to lay hold with your faith. No, 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 mm, long life. Long life. I'm not satisfied. He says, with long life, I believe that I've received long life. Because one of the things that when fear knocks at your door, particularly when the areas of like these natural, uh, these storms show up and stuff like this, they say, well, y'all ain't going to make it through. No, long life. Long life. All will be well with me and my house. All will be, because we dwell in the secret place of the most high. Now, where you dwell is important. Let's look back over again, if you will, to John chapter number 15. 
Where you dwell is important. Now, let's connect this with what we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, shall we? Where you dwell, where is your heart? Is it safely in the hand of God or is it in your own ability? If I have areas again that are creeping in my life of fear, then God again is showing you areas where he said, you don't trust me yet in this area. And we gotta fortify that area of your life. And notice this, this is Jesus speaking, and he says something very similar. Verse number four, 15, John chapter 15, and verse number four. We've read some of this before. We looked at this when we were looking at the latter part concerning joy, but notice this. He says, abide in me, <laughs> he says, abide in me and I in you. Let me drop down, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Verse number seven. It says, if ye abide in me, and notice the term, and my word abide in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. The key is not whether or not it will be done. The key is whether or not, where am I dwelling? It sounds very similar to he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. All right? Now notice this, verse number eight, he says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So God is interested in you being a fruit-bearing Christian. He says, so shall you be my disciples. Verse number nine, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. He says, continue in my love. He says, verse 10, if ye continue or keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse number 11 says, these things have I spoken unto you that your joy may be or might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, I want you to notice here between verse number four through verse number seven, even though we didn't read all of that, how many times he says abide? He says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times within verse number four to verse number seven, abide in me, abide in me. Where I spend my time is where I will be empowering it in my life. In other words, as I said before and I'll say again, what you spend time with is what you develop confidence in. If you don't spend any time with God, you're not going to have confidence in his ability in your life. And if you are seeing areas of fear in your life, that is an area that you do not have confidence in God. And we got to look at, Lord, show me how I can fix this. How can I fix these areas where I don't have confidence? Well, the only way you can is he says you got to fix what you are abiding with. If you are abiding with the problem and not the solution, maybe that's the reason you have more confidence in the problem and not the solution. I'm spending all of my time looking at, oh, I got this going on. This ain't working. That ain't working. That ain't working. And I'm feeling myself, my heart full of reverse faith, which is fear that this ain't gonna work, this is gonna fall apart, all the storm is coming tomorrow, we gonna have problems, all this kind of stuff, I'm spending time abiding with the issue. God says, flip the thing, abide with me. What I say about it? Do you know one thing that I said about this issue? That's the reason why we read through the entire Psalms 91 so that we can have an idea of what it means to dwell in the secret place. The promises of God concerning how he does protect his people. 
All right. You understand that? Say amen. Now, none of that is tonight's Bible study. I'm not going to teach the entire thing of what we have tonight, but I'm going to make some references to it. Let's look over, if you will, to Ephesians chapter number one once again. Ephesians chapter number one. And we'll close again tonight, again, like I said before, at Matthew chapter number 18. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number one. This is Paul writing again to the church at Edifice. This church, new believers, they're brand new believers and they are largely a Greek audience. What does that mean? That means they're not, they're not traditional or Jews, if you will. They got born again from believing one way and came into the kingdom of God. They believed in foreign gods and they got born again. And so Paul excited, he's excited about writing to this church at Edifus. And he says, verse number 15, <clears throat> verse number 15 out of the King James says, Wherefore I also, after I heard, Notice he says, of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints. He says, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He says, man, since I heard about what happened at, at this church, man, listen, I've been praying about you all. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks to God and praying and making mention of you in my prayers. Notice what he's praying, though, he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, notice this, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, this is one of the uh, scriptures that my aunt used to teach us, particularly when we're talking in terms of new believers. She says, she once told us, she said, this is what you pray for new believers. This is what you pray for all believers. He says that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. And I pray that for the members. God, that you give them the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of you. The knowledge of you. What does that mean? That they will begin to see you differently. That you give them wisdom in regards to how they operate in life. The decisions they got to make. Because all of us got to make some kind of decisions in life. And so, when we're praying for people, when we're praying for each other, God, I cease not to give thanks for and put the person's name in there. I cease not to give thanks. I'll just put my daughter in there just for the sake of, of, of discussion. I cease not to give thanks for Raymond, making mention of Ramah in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto Ramah the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, dear God. See how you made that prayer? Verse number 18. He goes on, he says, that the, notice the term, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. So we put that once again all together. I cease not to give thanks for Rhema, making mention of Rhema in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to Rhema the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of her understanding may be enlightened that she may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. What does that mean? It means that she may know what your purpose is for her life and that she may know and understand by revelation what you've already given her through your promises. 
The Amplified says it like this in verse number 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, the very center and the core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit. And so we begin looking at the eyes of your understanding, and I'm kind of alluded to it tonight. How you understand life has everything to do with your belief system. How you understand life has everything to do with your belief system. And where is God in your belief system is always the question that we have to ask. Is he just a religious thing that we do? Or have we gone beyond this and gotten to a place where his opinion, his will actually means something to me? That the eyes of my understanding may be enlightened. Your heart has eyes. If we were to look at this scripture and just extrapolate that. Your heart has eyes. The way you understand life. He says, Paul says, I'm praying that your eyes of your understanding may be flooded. The very core of your being may be flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been looking and talking about the fact that one of the one of the traits of the kingdom of God, if you will, or central characteristics of the kingdom of God is that of light, light. The scripture says the interest of thy word gives light. He says that the word of God is a light unto thy path. One of the core things that we under, need to understand, at least, that the more words you get is the more light that you get for life. One of the reasons why people stumble around is because of the fact we ain't got enough light yet. And God says the only way you get light, you got to spend time with me. The only time you spend time with me is, is on Sunday. All the time you spend time with me is on the side. He says, that's the reason why you're not walking in enough light. Because the more time you spend with God, the more he begins to illuminate things through his word. Your heart is flooded with the light of God and you begin to understand something. The more you begin to understand, you'll begin to move into this area of having joy even when things don't go right. Spiritual knowledge or illumination amidst darkness. Now, <clears throat> Turn over to Ephesians chapter number four. This is where we're getting ready to close because for the sake of time. Ephesians chapter number four, same book. Notice this. I'm going to read this out of the uh, New Living Translation. Ephesians chapter number four. Notice this. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as Gentiles. Well, he's talking about this in terms of it being people that are unbelievers. He says, as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. They are, he says, don't, don't you, believer, live like a Gentile that's hopeless. You are ho hopelessly confused. You ever met somebody just hopelessly confused? You talk to them just like, Lord, Jesus, boy, man, what? You just, we're praying for you because you out there. <laughs> okay? He says, for the believer, don't live this way. He says, verse number 18, their minds are full, notice the term, of darkness. They wander far from the life of God or the life God gives because, notice this, they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Their minds are full of darkness. And he says, the darkness that's in their heart is not God's fault. It's because they have wandered, he says, they, he says, uh, God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. 
God cannot change your heart. You have to choose to open your heart to him. Verse number 19 says, they have no sense of shame and they live for lustful pleasures and earnestly or eagerly practice every kind of impurity. He says, verse 20, but that isn't what, notice he says, you learn about Christ. Why does he say this? Because what you learn about Christ is to come out of the darkness and walk in the light. Now, like I said, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everything. <laughs> We're going to close here. Children of God are supposed to be children of the light. We are not afraid of light. We don't walk in darkness. Unfortunately, children that are of the light, a lot of times are doing stuff in the booth in the back of the corner in the dark. They don't want no light shine on the areas of their life. But God says, when you start conforming to what I'm telling you to do, become more like me, that the eyes of your understanding become enlightened. What does that mean? I'm beginning to discover that the ways of God are actually good. Then more and more you begin stepping towards that light and you leave that darkness. What is that? Our old man, the way you used to do things, the way you used to think. And then when you begin to live this way, you'll discover something that, you know, is good to live in the light. It's less stress to live in the light. That I'm not divided in my heart because I'm trying to be one way. When God says do this, I'm doing that. God says when you operate in obedience as I'm telling you to operate, you have an ability. I can take care of you or stress. You, you're able to have a lot less stress in your life because who I am is who I am. I'm honest or I'm innocent before God. Let me give you a case in point. All right. I'll just use my go-to preacher example. You know, a preacher that's not living right, but yet still preaching, man, it's a lot of stress. You know, it, it's stressful. Now, you, you, you got five women down the street, and you're trying to maintain this image of, of holy man of God. It's a whole lot of stress. It's a whole lot easier if you just love the wife that you have and do things God's way. See, one of the things with me that I, I, I'm blessed by, I don't get nervous about other women because I'm only with my wife. I don't say, oh, oh, this was coming in. Oh, we got to be, none, none of that. Stressless because I'm living in compliance with the king. When you live in compliance with the king, then that stress is not there. And again, one of those things, you got to figure this out, that living right is good for you. Everything that we've been talking about in this particular formula has to do with you get into the point where you figure out that, hmm, this is good for me. <laughs> that God's not saying live right because he's trying to keep me from something, but he's saying live right because I'm trying to get something to you, a way of living that actually is a blessing in and amongst your life. Now, back to Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> This is where we're going to conclude for this evening. Matthew chapter 18. And we'll pick up on next Thursday. Well, Lord have mercy. I'll say next Thursday. On Sunday, back in these areas of light and darkness as well. Once again, Matthew chapter 18. Verse number 19, it says, Again, I say unto you that if two shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. He says, if two of you shall agree as touching. So that's what we're going to do tonight. 
So let's pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to show you how to do this as well. See, one of the things, because y'all weren't with me when we did the whole prayer series. We're going to do another one again later. But uh, see, sometimes when you pray, <clears throat> you open up your eyes. Okay? You don't, you, you know, oh, on your knees, humbled and back there. That's good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you need to open up your eyes, get the word, and you pray what the scripture says. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, you said in your word, if two of you shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done by my Father which is in heaven. So, Lord, we just set ourselves in agreement tonight that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and so therefore we bide under the shadow of the Almighty. We thank you, Lord, that you cover us with your feathers under the wings, and we trust you, dear God. We thank you, Lord, that according to your word, a thousand may fall at one side, a ten thousand may fall at the other side, but none shall come nigh us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we set ourselves in agreement in the authority of the name of Jesus that your angels have charge over us and they keep us in all of our ways. Because, Lord, we've set, because we understand that we have, you have set your love upon us, therefore you will deliver us. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you will, he will continue to call, will call upon you and you will answer. We thank you in a time of trouble. We thank you, Lord, that according to your word, no evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come near our dwelling place. We thank you, Lord, that according to your word, that with long life we shall be satisfied and see your salvation. So we thank you, Lord, that in the midst of this storm, the midst of this issue coming, we thank you and I pray in the name of Jesus that all will be well with all of our members. All will be well with all of our partners, not a thing missing, not a thing broken in the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, we reject and we resist the spirit of fear because you've given us the spirit of faith, power, love, and of a sound mind. So Lord, we appropriate that in the name of Jesus and I thank you, Lord, that as we set ourselves in agreement that we believe that we receive it done right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to pick up uh, uh, back on our normal routine on Sunday morning. And uh, like I said, there are certain things we're going to look at in regards to uh, knowledge and understanding in the scriptures, light and darkness. And I'll be honest with you, some of the things that we're going to get into in the month of October, I can tell you the truth. I didn't plan, but when I looked at the calendar, I said, oh, so we get to deal with this stuff in this season of Halloween, if you will, oh, I'm, I'm really did not put all that together. That's the Lord's doing. So we're going to look at some of these areas uh, throughout the month of October because you need to understand well, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and understand the difference between the demonic uh, and understand the difference between familiar spirits and other things that are particularly at work in this month of October. So we're going to do a lot of time or spend a lot of time in the Word of God in regards to that. Let me also say this as we are concluding the month of September. In the month of October, we are reading the book of Mark. Amen. Shut me down. Amen. Book of Mark. Amen. The book of Mark. Because we've all read, right. <laughs> or at least you have to the 30th to complete the book of Romans. As we move into the 10th month of this year, we'll have 10 books 
that we've read from the word. Amen? Ten books. If you did the assignment. If you didn't, well, y'all now just, just read all ten of them at the same time. You're making your assignment a little harder. Amen. Amen. You may, you may be dismissed. Praise the Lord.